wise are you? Call out for insight. And cry aloud for understanding. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Well, good morning, Journey. Good to see people back in the auditorium. For all of our friends online, thank you for joining us this morning. Adam, thanks for that nice introduction. Um, I owe a great deal of gratitude to Adam and all of Young Life. I was a 15-year-old punk high school student when I attended a Young Life camp in Windy Gap, North Carolina, where I heard the gospel for the first time and it hit me like a cruise missile. I gave my life to Jesus and it's been different ever since. So Adam, thanks for your involvement on campus. Thanks for what you guys are doing with middle schoolers, high schoolers, and now college students. I have a great deal of respect for what you guys do. Thanks so much. Adam, already welcome back to you students. I'd like to take the time just for a second and welcome you if you're back. I know many of you left over spring break and you've just returned. We're so thrilled to have you back. If you're a freshman, welcome to campus. We look forward to getting to know you. I have two encouragements for you. One is that you might look for a ministry around town that you could be involved with. Uh, I work with the Navigators. Adam works with Young Life. But if you're looking for our friends with crew, come find me afterwards. I'll make an introduction. Or if you're looking for our friends in InterVarsity or Chi Alpha or any of the other good church ministries on campus, we want you to thrive on campus, both missionally and in your own personal walk with Jesus. We want you to thrive, not just survive in your college years, and we want to help you do that. Second encouragement to you is I want you to find a good local church. This is a great one. Start here, okay? But there's a lot of good churches in town, and I want you to learn how to be a part of the body, part of something that's intergenerational, be under church leadership and authority, be under the teaching of God's word, and learn how to serve and thrive in a local context, because that's how you'll live in your life after college. And so we want you to thrive here at Journey or somewhere else in town. Let us help you get settled, but we're stoked that you're here. If you've been uh, with us for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the series on wisdom. I've worked with college students now for 20 years. There has been a few instances when I've needed to ask somebody if the last decision they just made was wise. So here's my working definition of wisdom after 20 years of working with students. I would submit to you that wisdom is the correct application of biblical knowledge. Okay, it's not just knowing what the Bible says. It's not just being able to relay what the Bible says. It's not just being able to understand what the Bible says. It's that I know the Bible and then I correctly apply it to my life. That makes you wise. Let's be clear, okay? Being wise in the sense of understanding, knowing the Bible and being able to live it out in your life doesn't mean that you're the person with the highest IQ in the room. Someone might have a much higher IQ, but they might lack biblical wisdom. It doesn't necessarily mean that you hold an advanced degree if you're biblically wise. And although you might hold an advanced degree, it doesn't mean that you are wise just because you've got a degree. If you can understand and know God's word and rightly apply it in your life, you are wise in the eyes of God. Another one is it doesn't matter how old you are. Oftentimes, older people in general are more wise Because they've got more life experience and they know what to do with that and make good decisions, maybe a little better than when they were in college. The reality is 
you can still be young and wise in God and not wait till you are old with a lot of life experience. If you know God's word, you understand it and you apply it correctly in your life. That is my working definition as we talk about wisdom today. So we are told to grab a Proverbs. I picked Proverbs chapter four, written by King Solomon. I'm about to read verses 20 through 23. Now, if Bob asked me to preach 10 times, I'm gonna say this 10 times. What I'm about to read is the best part of this sermon. I'm not gonna say anything better than what you're about to hear right now from the word of God. So I pray, like Solomon asks, that you would listen. Let's look at the words of Solomon as we dive in. Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 23. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. We could just say amen right there. But let's spend the next time that I've got and let's unpack this a little bit. I think we're gonna see three big things in Proverbs chapter four. The first thing we're gonna see is that a loving father is trying to get the attention of a child who he loves to pass on the principles of wisdom. The second thing that we're gonna see is his encouragement is to seek wisdom with all they've got and then to protect the wisdom that they gain. And the last thing that we're gonna look at is that Solomon has an encouragement to his children that the place they should take this wisdom that they're seeking and where they should protect it should be deep down inside our hearts. Those are the three things that I hope we can get to today in God's word. You know, this, this has a serious kind of a somber tone as we think of a father speaking to a child that they love. Maybe you've had a serious uh, conversation with one of your parents because they loved you. You knew they were addressing something maybe a bit serious. Perhaps it was even a bit somber. I can see a father calling his sons, hey, we have an important thing to talk about or let's make a special time to be able to talk about this. Maybe there's a sense of kind of grabbing them by the collar and saying, son, I need you to listen. Maybe there's a little bit of a, he's grabbing them by the face and pulling them in close and saying, I've got something very dear that I want to share with you. Three times in this chapter, we see a son's, um, uh, excuse me, a father's pleading for his son. Let's look at those three. The first one is found in verses one through three of chapter four. And it says this. Got to find it real quick. <laughs> sons, listen to your father's discipline and pay attention in order to gain understanding. After all, I have taught you well. Do not abandon my teachings. When I was a boy learning from my father, when I was a tender and only child of my mother. We've got this idea where he's saying to his sons, son, listen, pay attention to what I'm about to say in order that you might gain understanding. And then he says something in verse three, when I was a boy learning from my father, so I think what King Solomon here is saying, son, I've got something very important to pass on to you, but it didn't start with me. You come from a legacy of others who were also going after wisdom. Remember, Solomon's father was King David. So King David sat down, Solomon at some point. Now Solomon is sitting down with his child and wisdom is intergenerational. It's not just a passing fad. It's not just something that we're gonna talk about for a few weeks and then move on. This is a transcendent idea for the people of God. The second encouragement comes in verses 10 and 11 where Solomon says, my son, listen and accept my words, and they will multiply the years of your life. 
I have taught you the way of wisdom and I have guided you along decent paths. He's saying, don't only just hear me, don't only just listen, but accept what I'm saying. Bring it in and own it for yourself. And then the third encouragement, which we've seen a little bit already in verse 20 and verse 21, my son, listen to it again, pay attention. Open up your ears to what I say. Don't lose sight of these things and keep them deep within your heart. Journey Church this morning, I pray that we might hear this from a loving father who wants to impart wisdom to you, his precious child, that you might feel him bring your face in close and that you might hear the father's voice say, my son or daughter, pay attention to my words this morning. Open your ears to what I'm saying to you and don't lose sight of these things. Keep them deep within your heart. Because see, God knows wisdom has value above all things. It's one of the greatest things that we can seek in this life. Uh, In chapter four, verses four through nine, it's talking about what David used to say to Solomon about the value of wisdom. And Solomon says, they used to teach me and say, cling to my words wholeheartedly. Obey my commands so that you may live. Acquire wisdom, acquire understanding. Don't forget, Don't, do not turn away from the words that I have spoken. Do not abandon wisdom, and you ready? It will watch over you. Love wisdom, and it will protect you. The beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. I love the ESV. The ESV says, uh, uh, this is wisdom. Get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom, acquire understanding with all that you have. Cherish wisdom. It will raise you up. It will bring honor when you embrace it. It will give you a graceful garland for your head and it will hand you a beautiful crown. Wisdom is one of those things that I don't know we put a high value on, but God highly esteems for you and for me to have and to possess. The wisdom of God. Verse seven, I'd like to draw our attention. Uh, In the NIV, it says wisdom, and that's where all my memory work is done. It says, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. What wise words from the wisest man when God gave Solomon wisdom that surpassed any other earthly man. Though it cost you everything, go get it. It's worth it. It's worth it for you. So I'd share with you again, verses 20 and 21. My son, pay attention to my words. Open your ears to what I say. Do not lose sight of these things. Keep them deep within your heart. Solomon says that our hearts play a role in where we store this wisdom. The Bible has a lot to say about our hearts. Solomon says, keep this hidden deep within your heart. Keep them down in there. Uh, you know, the Bible's not talking about the heart like just the organ that pumps blood around your body. Hundreds and hundreds of times it refers to the heart. Really, the way I would define it is the center of one's inner life. It's like your core. It's your orientation towards God. Either my heart is soft toward God or my heart is hardened and I'm turned away from God. It's, it's the very central part of your being from which all of a person's actions flow out. From, from that central part of their being, all of a person's motives flow out of. All their words flow out of them. All their thoughts flow out of it. All their emotions and decisions flow from our heart. 
So everything that the world sees on the outside, my words, my, my, my motives, my actions, all those things, they see everything that has already flowed through my heart and that's what they get to see. And we often describe people just based on their hearts. I don't think we often realize how often we do it. But we might describe this person as broken hearted. Or we might say this person's fun to be around and they are lighthearted. Or man, this guy doesn't work that hard. He's only half hearted. Many of us in 2020 have been more heavy hearted than we would like. We all know friends who at some point have become hard hearted. And the list goes on and on and on. And what the scriptures want is for us to be whole hearted in the Lord. If we keep looking down in this passage that we just read in verse 23, Solomon goes on to make a very profound statement. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I mean, this is a, if you think about how profound the statement is, he's saying above everything else that you guard in your life, your heart should be first. Think of all the different things that you and I protect on a daily basis. I had a student, I've known him since he was a kid. He came through our ministry in Colorado. I'll keep him nameless, but Greg Luby used to have a phone and you could call him on his phone and it would say, hi, sorry, I missed your call. This is Greg. But if you'd leave your name, your number, your social security number and your mother's maiden name, I'll get back to you as quick as I can. And I laughed every time I called him on the phone. He's now running one of our best ministries at the United States Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, helping students come to know Jesus. But what I loved about that is I never left my mother's maiden name and I never left my social security number because those are two things you might want to protect in this world. And there's a lot of them, whether it's a a safe uh, combination to your safe, maybe you protect that code. Maybe you're trying to protect your retirement savings and you're guarding with strategies and different decisions, or maybe you've got the password to your bank that you don't want anybody to have. Maybe you're trying to guard and protect your reputation or perhaps a a certain relationship, or if, if you're like me and you're not necessarily from Montana for a long time, you're in a huckleberry patch where these big grizzly bears are and you got kids running around, I want to protect them. Some of you, you got a fishing spot like a honey hole and you won't let anybody know where that is. Social security for number, no problem, here it is, but I'm not telling you where I get my trout. We protect all kinds of things in our life. We protect things for two reasons. They are valuable to us and someone else might want it. And the reality for me and for you is this. Solomon has said above everything else that you guard, guard your heart. It should be preeminent in your protection. Why? He tells us in the very next line. For everything you do flows from it. I like the NIV 84. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Maybe you've been to a natural spring before and watched it bubble up out of the water. I grew up in Florida and we've got these beautiful crystal clear springs all over the state where you can look straight down. It looks like into the abyss because the water is so crystal clear. Solomon says we protect our heart because it's the wellspring of life where everything we do flows from it. It is the source of who we are and it flows through us out into the world around us. The, the, probably the best word picture that we have for this in our area is Highlight Reservoir. Anybody enjoy any time up at Highlight this summer? Oh, it was a beautiful time. If you haven't been to Montana, just drive right by. It's not worth checking out. But for those of us here, we'll deal with it, Okay. But it is a beautiful, pristine mountain reservoir. And a lot of people in Bozeman get their water from Highlight Reservoir. 
through some form or fashion. Obviously, it comes down pipes and goes through some treatment and different stuff. But the water up there is really, really beautiful. And it comes down into our homes. Picture your home more like your life. And you've got faucets all around your house, whether it's your shower or your kitchen sink or whatever. And all these different faucets are like the aspects of our life that other people can see. So the water from highlight comes down and it comes out of the faucet in your house eventually. And maybe it's the faucet of your actions or maybe it's the faucet of your speech or thoughts. Maybe it's, maybe it's the shower head of your emotions or your attitudes or, or it's the hose out front of your motives and decisions. And as long as good water's coming out, we don't really care much about highlight. In terms of a water source, we like to play, we like to enjoy it. But if tomorrow you cracked the hose and the orange stuff started shooting out or you opened up the kitchen sink and silty water or heaven forbid in the bathroom sewage began to come out of your shower head, you would say, whoa, whoa, whoa we got a problem. And I would look at the, fa- the shower head first, but then I might have to check the pipes. I got to keep going upstream until I find the source of the problem. Now switch that and what if we, heaven forbid, had some type of a toxic spill in Highlight Reservoir? In this example, your heart, everything downstream would be affected. They would be all over the news. Don't drink the water. You got to purify your water. Go from a different source. Because no matter how good an order your pipes and faucets and plumbing system was in your house, if upstream there's something tainting it, if upstream it's corrupt, if upstream it's toxic, everything downstream is affected. And the reality is Jesus knew this. He said it this way in Luke 6, 45. He says, the good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. Do you hear that? Out of the overflow. Jesus says, you got good stuff wedged down. If the source, if the wellspring of your life is good, then everything downstream is going to be affected by that goodness and everything downstream that comes out of your mouth will be good, your motives will be good, your attitude and emotions and decisions and all of it will be good. But if it's evil on the inside, what comes out downstream is wickedness and corruption and evil. You know, we just sang a song earlier, Brandon and the team led it. Come thou fount. It's one of my favorite old hymns. Come thou fount was written by a man named Robert Robertson. There's a line in there. It's the last part. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Would you seal it for your courts above? Well, Robert Robertson had always been prone to water, wander. Excuse me. He, he wrote this hymn in 1758 at the age of 23. At the time, he was a Calvinistic Methodist church member and working there in Norfolk, England. And later in life, Robinson did stray from the faith. And sometime later, in a stagecoach, he sat by a lady who was reading a hymn book. And she showed him, Come Thou Fount saying how wonderful it was. He tried to change the subject, but he couldn't. And finally he said, Madam, I am the unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago. And I give a thousand worlds to enjoy the feelings I had then. See, somewhere along the line, Robinson failed to guard his heart 
above all else. And somewhere there was a, a breach, some kind of toxic breach into the wellspring of his life. And as far as we know, his heart never recovered. So it begs the question, how's your heart? How's my heart? I asked my wife this last night while we were sitting on the couch. Hey, what if I could come into your inner man, your inner woman? Because see, I, I don't swear much anymore, but if I hit my hand with a hammer now, something pops up in my mind that I don't want anybody to know about. And so even though my actions might be looking better, my heart isn't always as pure. Amen? How many of us would volunteer right now? Hey, you could take all my inner thoughts, motives, attitudes, emotions, decisions, and put them up on the large screen for everybody to watch just from the last 24 hours. Anybody volunteer? Try a week? No, not gonna happen. Why? Because we haven't guarded the wellspring of our life through which everything else flows out of. And we need to look at our heart. When we start talking about the heart in the Bible, we're often quoted Jeremiah 17, 9, where it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Anybody heard this verse? I'm sure many of you have. That the heart is deceitful above all things. Other versions say, who can trust it? And beyond cure, who can understand it? I'm here to tell you, church, this morning, though, in your own power, that verse remains for you. But it is an Old Testament reality that has now been completed in its thought in a New Testament reality. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that if you've believed in the life and the death and the resurrection, the finished work of Jesus and made him your savior, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come, including your old rotten heart. He has come in to replace it with something new. In fact, 600 years before the time of Christ, God was speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, what we just sang about those bones rising up. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27 says this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. Remember, this is God speaking through the prophet. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. What a beautiful passage. God says, I will take out of you your stone cold heart. I will remove it and I will put in you a soft heart of flesh that is soft and tender towards me. And then I'm going to go on and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put my Holy Spirit inside of you. God's Spirit, His very Spirit comes into the believer and the Holy Spirit is there to do something. It is to move us, to follow and obey His laws and decrees that, can I just tell you, they're for our benefit. This is where real life is found. This is where your best life is is understanding and knowing and living out the things that God has called us to. It's yours for the taking. It's mine for the taking. We can have as much as we would like. Wisdom is not just knowing about God's word. It is living it out. So therefore, you and I get to move into God's word. We get to let him come deep down into our heart and do a work where he eradicates all the junk that everything downstream that it flows to is pure and holy and righteous and God-honoring. It's beautiful. It's the gospel. I want you to think about Solomon's words as I close. 
It's such a fascinating charge when he would call his sons to him and as a sweet father who loves his children would grab onto him and say, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my word. Don't let my words out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for their life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In just a minute, we're gonna transition to more videos about some of our church family who were recently baptized. And there's no clearer picture in the world of someone saying, I wanna get rid of my heart of stone and accept God's heart of flesh for me right now. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.